Blog Talk Radio. For the Bobby Eaton Show, yeah. giving you information you'll want to know, speaking on issues affecting us all, and music for the soul. Yeah. It's the Bobby Eaton Show. Bobby. It's the Bobby Eaton Show. Bobby. It's the Bobby Eaton Show. Bobby. It's the Bobby Eaton Show. Hello world, good afternoon. Hey, welcome to the Bobby Eaton Show, and this is where we tell our stories our way. And today do we have a great show uh, going on. The Kaiser Foundation is here, you know, and we're going to be talking to them shortly. But meanwhile, I want to let you know about uh, some things going on in town. If you get a chance, go down to the Black Wall Street Liquid Lounge, which is located on Greenwood next to uh, Lefties right there. We kind of meet up there in the morning times and... Uh, it's um, real good, bunch of uh, guys and stuff and and gals <laughs> who work uh, who who go there. So anyway, um, we got things going on in the community. We're gonna be uh, talking about some issues and some things, some good things. We're gonna find out about the Kaiser Foundation, and uh, we're gonna be right back. So we want you to kind of stick around, and we'll just you know. Oh, by the way, dial the number six four six seven one six. Five five two five. Don't forget to press that one button. Got to press that one button if you like to talk on the air. So we're gonna take a a break and we'll be right back.
KBOB 89.9 FM and Blog Talk Radio as well. And hey, in the studio, we got the Kaiser Foundation. Suzanne, how are we doing? Doing great, Bobby. Thanks for having great, us. Great, good. Well, hey, welcome to the show and glad to have you guys. Can you uh, introduce uh, these other guys you got right here with you? You bet. I've got with me Brandon and Josh, Josh Miller and Brandon are here to support Brandon, me. Brandon Oldham, right? Brandon Oldham, sorry. <laughs> Oldham, you know, he so. He Brandon, yeah, and I Brandon. figure everybody yeah, knows him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. Like Leon, Wait, what you got right there? Leon? Yeah, I'm, I'm like Leon off of Wade Next Hill. Oh, okay. Leon. No <laughs> okay, I got you. I got you. Wade Next Hill. That's funny right there. So, Suzanne, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, and all the guys are going to uh, tell us a little bit about themselves. But uh, where are you from? I'm originally from New Mexico. And New I came Mexico. to Oklahoma, Tulsa, for the first time. Didn't have any relatives or anybody here and came to go to the University of Tulsa in 1991. Oh, 91. And you decided to stay, huh? I decided to stay. I tried to go back to New Mexico two or three times, but there was something about Tulsa that kept bringing Pulling me you back. back here? Definitely. Oh, really? Mm. So you like Tulsa? Love Tulsa. Love Tulsa. Okay. Not like, but love. Love you know, Tulsa. So, okay. Love trying to make Tulsa a better city, too. Okay. Yeah, Everybody we need to make it a better city. Yeah. Everybody, huh? Everybody loves Tulsa. Okay. 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 <laughs> the famous Brandon. <laughs> Brandon only. Over there laughing. Yeah. He, he, yeah, okay. he coined that phrase. Well, yeah. I don't know. That's a question mark in some <laughs> people's homes. <laughs> he, put it, he put it on a t-shirt. <laughs> when it comes about Tulsa. But anyway. You were in Mexico and you came here. You married children? Yes, Anything I'm like that? Married uh, for 20 years this year, and I have four kids. My oldest one is 16, and my youngest one is eight. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure what we were thinking having four because <laughs> we're outnumbered, and we have to kind of, you know, we have to go and convince them, and they have their own caucus and decide whether they're, you know, going to come back and decide with us or not. So uh-huh. they can rise up pretty easily when you have when you're outnumbered. Okay. But yeah, they're all Tulsa public school kids and uh hopefully future Tulsans for life. Great, great, great. Brandon. What's going on, General? Hey man, you've been in here a bunch of times. It's not your I first rodeo. Not, not your first first rodeo. Counting. You stop counting, man. Yeah, stop counting. Yeah, and you just like, live around the corner, so you know. It's right. It's not far at all. You can walk. Man, you can walk to your house, man. Yeah, you can walk. Yeah, come on. Let's just talk about I'm saying everybody knows Brandon. You don't need to say Brandon. Yeah, Brandon, you know. So Brandon comes in here periodically. Mm -hmm. uh, My show, Juice Radio Show, you know, he's just kind of like piece of the furniture at times, (laughs) you know, and uh, we know him very well over here in the community. So he's doing some things over here. Thank you. Josh. Yes, sir. How you doing, man? Good. How are you? Where, where are you from, man? I'm I'm born and raised in Tulsa. Oh, uh, you you Tulsa yeah. too? Huh? Yeah, I'm a Tulsa mm-hmm. I'm a Tulsa kid all the way, and uh, I went to University of Oklahoma and uh, spent some time there, lots of degrees and lots of debt, and uh, then uh, came back home uh, to my hometown to try to make it a better place. Unlike Suzanne. I get to play man-to-man defense at home with my kids because I only have two. Uh, oh, really? She has to play zone defense. How old are you? How old are your children? Uh, so I have an 11 year old daughter and a, a four year old son. So, four year old son. Uh, yeah, and and as Suzanne knows, wow. boy, boys and girls are way different. Yeah, they are, aren't they? <laughs> way different. Way different. Way different. So, Tiger Foundation. Tell us a little bit about the foundation. What do you do, and what are you looking for? So the foundation is about 13 years old at this point. It's a big foundation, over $3 billion in the corpus of the foundation. $3 billion, huh? 
It's a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. We have a lot of limits on how we can spend that over mm-hmm. time, but it is big, but it's, it's very, very focused on the mission, which is equal opportunity for young children, but it's also uniquely focused on Tulsa and Theory. placemaking. And that's a lot of work, a lot of money in a small area. So we're kind of feels like we're everywhere and doing work and really the foundation over the past, I'd say two or three years has grown a lot. At first it was very, very focused on early childhood education. Okay. And now we have branched out into a lot of other buckets because everything kind of leads back to creating equal opportunity for young Mm -hmm. children, Mm -hmm. whether it's beautiful spaces and public access to those spaces or economic development or diversity, equity, inclusion in Tulsa and thinking about how we reconcile our history, you name it. It all leads back to how do we create a vibrant mm-hmm. environment for creating equal opportunity for young children. So you, you, you guys, are, you have a billion-dollar company, right? A billion-dollar foundation, yeah. and you're spreading that throughout different areas of Tulsa, or do you go outside of Oklahoma? And no. Uh, just all in Tulsa. It's all in Tulsa. The only the only outside of uh, Oklahoma stuff that we do is just where we're part of national networks. So like Educare, which is mm-hmm. the, you know our, our yeah. investment in early childhood ed, they have a national network. So there's yeah. money that goes to that national network, but otherwise the you know ninety nine point nine percent of our our money is focused right here in Tulsa. Tulsa huh? yes. mm-hmm. Yeah. And when we have other when we when we when there's national money that comes into Tulsa, a lot of times we partner with them. That's the only way we want to be a part of it is if they're going to put some money into Tulsa. Mm-hmm. So do you pick and choose what areas of Tulsa you spend your money in? It, it's not really defined that way. It's defined on, you know, Suzanne talked about the mission. So of equal opportunity for young children. And so we kind of have different focus areas. So you think about early childhood, um, you know, when, when George Kaiser founded the foundation, he thought kind of the same way in philanthropy he did in, in the business world, which is what's my biggest return on my investment and investing in kids early, uh, especially low income kids, that that's the biggest return. They're going to be much, much higher, higher uh, opportunities of success in life by investing early. And Mm so, um, so we have, that focus, we have a social service service focus, we have a criminal justice reform focus, mm-hmm. we have we have focuses on economic development and placemaking and um, and health and well being uh, community mm-hmm. health and okay so, and so that those are our focuses and where those interact with the different parts of mm-hmm. of Tulsa are okay know, okay are how it, how it well kind of you know I'm here out. I'm here housed in North Tulsa yep right in North Tulsa do you have any programs for underserved children right here yep in North Tulsa. Yes. Yes. Which, what are they? Well, how much can you, time do we you have? know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sure. I mean, I want to know because well, a lot of people yeah. in my community don't know mm-hmm. a lot about the Kaiser Foundation. We know about the 36th Street uh, North. Court, yep, yeah. Yeah. About that, Mohawk project, clearing yeah. out that, but right. we don't know the details and the information. So, what programs for children do you guys have over here? Well, we're certainly going to miss something, um, but the most obvious is Educare, what we call Educare 2. Which right is on Peoria, Peoria, right down mm-hmm. there? Yep. Okay. There's also um, uh, an, an Educare, what's Educare 4, is being built um, on Harvard uh, between Pine and Apache. 
Um, so that those are direct, obviously, service programs. You know, we we with the in the school district, for example, we have programs like like City Year that have mm-hmm. presence at McLean and, and other mm-hmm. schools. Um, I mean, there's there, where you know we help fund um, um, charter schools like Tulsa, Tulsa Legacy. Uh, so there's for, directly for children, and then and then there's you know we participate a little bit with Dream Center and yeah. and um, Edurec, and I mean so. Um, crossover community impact and and the work they're doing in their um so you just kind of like spot hitting everywhere huh basically well, it's, a, it's a it's really like you know we can't do all of these things alone like we talk about it being a a billion dollar you know kind of uh consortium but it's really all about the partners that we can make here in tulsa like we know that there's only so much bandwidth that we have in capacity as a staff but really getting down to those who are really proximate to the work those who have been here in the neighborhoods and in the community doing the work we get behind them. And so many of the programs that yeah, you, you'd yeah. be well, yeah. kind of hey, listening hey, and talking smi- about. I'm smiling right yeah. here, you know. <laughs> but, well, well, yeah. Yeah, you, yeah. I mean, you could you could even talk to, to yeah. some of that in terms well, of I mean, you like know, the trip there, to. Yeah. yeah, like the trip to mm-hmm. Atlanta. You helped right. us with that yeah, going but, down there. And but it really is great. important, um, again, to get behind the people who are doing the work and make sure mm-hmm. that, you know, they're the ones who, who are building up the community. Mm-hmm. Building up the community because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm in the community. We do works over yep. here in North Tulsa. And like I told you guys earlier before we were on the air, this is the hub. Mm-hmm. You know, this is where everybody come. And uh, don't, it, tell, don't tell everybody because then it's going to be too packed. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and uh, everybody comes over here and we have discussions. And I'm like this. Our platform is not based upon um, status yeah. at all. I don't care if you're a doctor, lawyer, judge, or you're a single-parent mom, homeless person, drug addict, alcoholic. Everybody, to me, is on the same level. Mm-hmm. You know, they're on the same level, and we address them accordingly to what we can see to help. You know, so um, it's always been about helping people, the underserved people in the community who need the H-E-L-P. Mm-hmm. You know, and my dad taught me that he's still active, you know, in the community doing things. So it's just in my blood to help, you know, regardless of just go forward and help my part, my business partner, Dean Finley. And we have teamed all up and Ramal Brown. We got a little, little mm-hmm. team, little helping team yeah. that we put together and we meet up at the Black Wall Street coffee shop down mm-hmm. on Greenwood every yeah. day. And we chop it up and we network with people and we go into the community and we, you know, we strategize down there and over here. And then we go into the community and try to help people, you know. So that's what it's all about over here at Eden Media Services. We're a small Kaiser. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, so we no, just you're, you're a big Bobby. Yeah, 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 yeah. Big Bobby, you know, so you can say that. You know what? And man, a lot of times, you know, we're 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 crying out for help over here because let's be honest with you, you need finances, you know, to operate. People do this stuff, so we're always doing fundraisers and we're doing this and we're doing that and we're reaching out to people who can help, you know. So and I know your foundation helps everybody all over. I'm seeing Kaiser name every. When I ran into you, Suzanne, at the Bloomberg. Uh, initiative Greenwood uh, Initiative, yeah. yeah. And I ran into you. Actually, no. When Bloomberg was here, Bloomberg was here, and you were with Mr. Kaiser. Yes. And we did have a conversation. Yeah. You remember the conversation? Yes. And we were talking. Me and Mr. Kaiser was talking, and um, he says, 
I said, well, won't you come on in and interview with her? He said, oh, no, I don't do that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? And I understand, I understand why. And some, some, and then you said, he said, get the foundation to come. So here you guys are. Yes. So we have, uh, I, I would like for you guys to explain what's going on down on Peoria and 36th Street. Sure. Because uh, a lot of conversation being yeah. about that and yeah. bulldozers and all of that over here in the community. Yeah. And uh, tell us what's going on with that. Yeah, I know a guy who can talk Josh about that. Josh, I, 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 <laughs> okay. I can talk about that. So, so part of our our uh, strategy is a targeted neighborhood focused redevelopment effort, and for the community, for the benefit of the community. And so, you know, we have a long long history in Kendall Whittier neighborhood around TU around that, and so we've done a great job of stabilizing the affordability so that residents can can live there um, and benefit from all the developments happening around them. But first and foremost. It's stabilizing the affordability um, and the housing that was that's there for the residents and improve that stock for them. And so we've done programs within the school and at the schools. And then as a result, there's been economic development stimulus in the Kendall Whittier Square. It went from 30% occupancy to 100% occupancy. So um, that's just an example of a, a much more mature effort. Uh, at 36th Street North, we actually led with economic development. So the whole idea is to provide economic opportunity for the community. And but what we decided was um, that there was, you know, every community has a different asset to, to, to you know, sort of um, uh, capitalize on. And there was this large, you know, chunk of land there, and it had great um, uh, sort of tr- strategic um, benefits being along 36th Street North and, and the highway and proximity to downtown and to get to the airport. And so from a logistical standpoint, it had a lot of, um, it had a lot of uh, advantages. And so... Um, the 120 acres that's there today is really to attract our goal is kind of a thousand transferable skill jobs that allow folks to have a sustainable um, mm. income long term. So mm. career attracts sustainable now, income. That's what I was going to ask. You. Yep. Now you got the land. Right. You're going to build. You're going to have about a thousand jobs that's, available. That's right? the goal. That's the goal. Mm-hmm. Josh we- works. Yes. Okay. to recruit. Will those jobs go to people in the in community? That's what I want to yep. know. That's Are those jobs, because a lot yep. of times big corporate businesses opening up yep. stuff in communities and people come from the suburban areas, right. Broken Arrow, Sky 2, yep. Bigsby, and they come over there and they take all of these jobs right. and they're working right in our community right. and we don't have them. Yeah. Well, that's, well, I will tell you, that's one reason the why the location was picked is because yes. most of the most of those large manufacturing uh, facilities are on the outskirts of, of town and so everyone all the even though it's in the city limits you know all the people work in or live in Owasso or Broken Arrow and all the benefit really goes to them this the strategic location was in the heart of the North Tulsa community and the to we get to be GKFF along with the city and the state and stuff, but we get to be a part of that conversation um, when a company is interested in coming to Tulsa and specifically is interested in the Peoria Mohawk site that they have to buy in from the beginning mm-hmm. to know that they are going to hire people from the community. It's an expectation set out at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And, and, and in fact, I can give will you, they ha- will they hire people in supervisory Position. Yeah. So the great, you know, the, the reason why we, the reason why we really targeted the manufacturing industry was mm-hmm. was two major reasons. One is um, the wages that they pay, and 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 skilled labor wages that they pay are 
are, you know, livable wages. I mean, you can truly, you know, feed your family and have a, have a sustainable living wage. The other part of it is, is just by the nature of it, many of them train from within. So even though you may walk in the door as a, a you know, warehouse shipping and receiving person, mm-hmm. they're going to train you to work on that, you know, CNC machine or mm-hmm. be a welder um, and work your way up. And so it's a, it's just a culture that's within the industry. Um, and, and so that was why we really f- focused on, on that, on that segment. So, mm-hmm. so for an example, so Muncie power products, that's, that's moving over from Northeast Tulsa over to, to the Peoria Mohawk site. Um, they were a great first company because they already had a proven track record in Tulsa of hiring from the community. They already take advantage of the, um, the dedicated workforce training partnership that we have set up between Tulsa community work advance and Tulsa tech. And so, and they promote from within, they already have a diverse workforce. They, they were a proven commodity and sort of respected employer in, in Tulsa. And I will tell you, um, you know, GKFF, we're giving the land away for free. I mean, there's no, there's no financial benefit to the foundation at all. It's all about providing jobs for the community. And also, I mean, not every job is going to be obviously filled by someone from the community, but you're bringing in that disposable income to generate the economic stimulus that, that the community has always wanted to, to get the things that other parts of Tulsa have. So if you start bringing in that disposable income, then the market can, you know, mm-hmm. um, sustain that. And the other thing I just want to say, I'm sorry, I don't, I, um, is that we actually got really to tell you kind of how um, important it is that, that the, prospective company is bought into the civic mission of all this is that we actually had a prospect early on that made construction equipment. Tell they, us. they had, you know, they had, they were going to possibly bring four to 600 jobs to the site and it was early on. And so we were all really excited <laughs> about it. But in the end, when you, and these are long, when you, when a company ex- expresses interest, it's a long dating process. Mm-hmm. So over the course of 18 months, we started to learn like, you know, at, at their existing facilities in other parts of the country, what they were really paying, what wages they were really paying, who they were really hiring, their financial, like their financial situation, you know, how stable they were and their in the culture and, and their yeah. culture. And in the end, we, we had to part ways and say, you know what, you're not, you're not the co- type of company that we're looking for. Um, so you're just kind of handpicking the right company and it's going to be all industrial. It, yeah. Manu- what it, manu- 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 manufacturing. Like- so, manufacturing yeah, and- so it's not going to be like a, steel smelting plant that's gonna but it, it's yeah. gonna be manufacturing. manufacturing. So, so I will just I mean the, your your radio audience won't be able to see see me make this show you size or something, but like Muncie Power Products makes uh power takeoff, but it's this big. I mean it's it's two feet wide. So um it, and uh and so it powers um equipment on trucks and things. But but I mean we're not gonna it's gonna be, you know, obviously not something that's incongruent with the with the neighborhood. In fact the site, we actually cleaned it up. It had old operating, uh, it still had a pump jack on it that was operating. We plugged oil wells and, uh, and everything. Yeah, so we cleaned yeah. up the site. To even well, get you know, I'm going to tell you a little secret. You know, a lot of that stomping ground off of Mohawk over there is where we used to play in the fields. <laughs> yeah. We used to be over there with all the old oil pumps and uh, all of that kind of stuff. We used to be over there. We used to get on my oil pumps and ride. You know, I'm, I'm just telling you the I truth. Know, right, when I was right. a little boy, we, uh, there used to be a fishing pond out in there. Yeah. In back of a family called the Bryants, uh-huh. they had a home yep. there and yep. a swim. You know, they had yep. a a pond out. We used yep. to fish in the pond and 
yep. all that, and that was did my the, old stomping ground. Did the ponds didn't have multiple. The fish didn't have like multiple eyes, did they? No, you know, no, okay, no, okay, no, good. no. But that was old stomping. We used to hunt out there with BB guns right. and stuff. You I, know, I, out in those fields, I, right where you guys have it's right now. It's funny that you say that because yeah. there were some there were some dead animal carcass that people were illegally hunting back there. Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> I know it had to be. <laughs> yeah. So, so what happened to all the animals, man? I'm pretty sure it was animals off in that forest. Well, the good news it's, is is that, I mean, that area of Tulsa is a lot of floodplain, and so all they did was just disperse to the north, to the which is even a denser floodplain situation. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the, I'm I'm sensitive to wildlife too, but but uh, I didn't get many. I got lot, lots of questions and, and intense questions about lots of things, but none of them were focused mm, on what, what was on happening. No, no one, well, no one was complaining that all of a sudden they saw you know deer or wolves or foxes in there right, you know, yeah, the right. okay yard. you didn't so, hear any of that uh, that right. i didn't hear yeah yeah so, so that area is being cleared off i passed by it several times i stopped and got out and i looked at it because it's part of my childhood and my makeup mm-hmm. and i looked over there and i just and the communities always ask what are they doing down yep. there we know they're clearing off land but what's going to happen so you right. just explain yep. exactly what's going to happen there now across the street is Comanche Apartments. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's my history right there. Okay, that's your history right there. <laughs> so you want to talk a little bit about it? Oh, I can talk about my history there. Yeah. yeah. My, me and my family lived in there when I was a kid. In uh, Comanche Apartments. Yeah, in Comanche Apartments. Those projects right across the mm-hmm. street, right? I remember my brother teaching me how to ride a bike over there. Let's just say it took me longer than expected to learn how to ride a bike. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I crashed a couple of times. Uh yeah, I used to hang out with my cousins, play football in the fields and stuff like that all the time. It's a good time. Yeah, yeah, right, great. So, did the Kaiser Foundation purchase Comanche? No, no. no the, because somebody keeps saying, well, no. they're going to tear Comanche down well, and they're going to just you know, put people in no. different places. So, so, the housing authority actually just completed a year-long master plan pro- uh, process for Comanche. And so that you can go online. It's been a community driven process. They've had, they've had lots of community meetings over the last year um, to, to inform what ultimately will happen with, with Comanche. And so um, there's a, there's a HUD administrative process that, that the housing authority is going through. But the main point is that um, the master plan calls for a, probably a five or six phase redevelopment of, of Comanche into mixed income, um, mixed income housing. So what that means is they'll replace one for one, all the public housing units. Uh, but then you'll have a mix of incomes that will, will basically they're planning to double the size. So it's 270 units today and it would grow to over 550 units. And so you have, but it's, everything's going to be built to, you know, market rate standard and above, but then all of a sudden you have a mix of, of incomes and really, then you will, and so no one's going to be displaced. They're even working on a phasing plan where no one has to move away. Um, and so, and then again, couple that with the work at Peoria Mohawk and this redevelopment, you start to see that economic ap- ac- you know, activity that stimulates what hopefully will be further growth, you know, down the 36th Street North corridor. And, you know, with, with the BRT, you know, being there and stuff, um, I know the city's really focusing on redevelopment along the, the BRT line up and down Peoria. And mm-hmm. so there's a real opportunity there um, to, to stimulate that economic opportunity, you know, economic activity that, that everyone's been asking for for a really long time. Wow. Wow. So um, 
Are there any other areas of North Tulsa that you're clearing off land, or is that just the only one right yeah, now? That's that's the only place that we're focusing on redevelopment efforts. But like we mentioned earlier, I mean, there's lots of programmatic elements that touch mm-hmm. other parts of North Tulsa. I mean, you know, still she rises in the Northland Shopping Center, um, and and other things, you know, that where we have programs. Um, you know, Westview Clinic hosts. Um, um, I can't remember which best pediatric program, but they host a they they host a program that we help fund through our birth rate mm-hmm. strategy. strategy. Uh, but as Brandon put it, I think more and more GKFF is looking to community partners that yeah, are mm-hmm. there. We encountered, a, you, and you go around Tulsa, you find people that are doing good work all over yeah. the place that yeah. no you know, people might know George Kaiser Family Foundation, but I know when we, we were over at um, Comanche, we learned about some people that have been putting up a food pantry there right. for quite a while, doing a great job. And, you know, George Kaiser Family Foundation has its fingers in a lot of different, you know, grants all over the do you ever get Do you ever get the question, um, gentrification? Sure. Inter- yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. How, how do you guys deal with that right there? Because some of uh, uh, our people over here feels, oh, they're coming in. They're taking over. Gentrification is in place. Yeah. Well, I think if you look at our efforts in Kendall Whittier, particularly, if you look at everything that we have done there, it's first and foremost always been about protecting the affordability for the folks that live there. That's why the apartment projects, uh, the Habitat for Humanity, even the capital homes work all there. The renovation of existing multifamily has always been for the benefit of the community first. And mm-hmm. so when those market forces do happen, you know, which ultimately they will, and you yeah. can't control for all that, you already have a stable base for the neighborhood that's already there. Yeah. And so, and really that's what, you know, that's what Comanche redevelopment will be about. That's, I mean, you know, crossover community impact, you know, their work about rehabbing houses, um, you know, around the educate around mm-hmm. behind Educare 2 and Hawthorne. Um, and even, even separately what's happening in uh, mm-hmm. the Eugene field neighborhood in West Tulsa, you know, those, there was a major HUD grant that was given to the housing authority there. And even there, it's all about, yes, mixing the incomes, but protecting the affordability for, for those existing residents. Do you have any programs uh, for economic development for like small mom and pop businesses? Do you have any programs for that? Yeah, we, um, we launched, I guess, piloted last year and Ramal's actually in the cohort right now, yeah. uh, but the black upstart. Mm-hmm. And so we have with that program, we'll, we're in partnership with Tulsa economic development corporation uh, and that program takes uh, entrepreneurs through a series of through through a boot camp series. Yeah. And we're also looking at what phase two of that looks like and how we make sure that we're plugging these entrepreneurs into the larger ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Ramal told me about it and he's mm-hmm. in it. So he's getting that education and that knowledge. Yeah, I, I'll also just go ahead and, and plug that. So for the <laughs> listeners on Sunday, I made sure to get my notes right. Okay. On Sunday, they're actually having a, a Black Biz pop up and soul food brunch. That's celebrating the uh, entrepreneurs completing this cohort, and that will be at uh, the Greenwood Culture Center. So this Sunday, March 1st, from 12:30 to 2 p.m. So right after you get out of church, just slide on over to the Greenwood Culture Center, mm-hmm. see what entrepreneurs uh, have gone through the cohort. What time does it start? It starts at 12:30 p.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, there at the Greenwood Culture Center. Uh, so just slide on over there, see uh, these these cohort of, of Tulsa entrepreneurs, and see what companies there. They're cooking up and really some things they're trying to put together for Tulsa. Right, right. Through our yeah. early childhood work, we also partner with some small daycares. Oh, yeah, that is another to one. think about, you know, we were very focused in our early years on just center-based care and educare. And we've come over time to realize that, um, mm-hmm. 
you know, yeah. talking is, you need to take a break? No, 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 oh, okay. no, no. Okay. I'm just talking to you. Okay. <laughs> thinking about that, you know, families are really where kind of that brain development happens for kids mm-hmm. first and how can we expand it through families and churches and all kinds of contacts that people have with the community, but also through these small daycares, which mm-hmm. people use all the time. Everybody's not going to get a spot yeah, at Educare. Yeah. We've talked to uh, some of the workers and em- employees over at Educare, and things are kind of slow over that way. Okay, I don't know. Like- Huh? When you say you slow, what do you mean by that? Well, they 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 want to recruit more families, families, families and mm-hmm. more people. Well, that's just my assessment. I mean, yeah, what, yeah. what I get, they want to recruit more. So we were set trying to set up an advertising package for them, but they gotta get the budgets mm-hmm. and all of that together to do it because they want to recruit way more families. Oh, a yeah. lot of times, a lot of families just pass them up mm-hmm. over here. You know, never stop because they're right next to Hawthorne. Yep. Yeah. Right there, you yep. know. And some people over in our community never been in there. Yeah. You know, One of our other partners uh, did a project on that pre-K and uh, early childhood care in, in North Tulsa uh, specifically. And that is that was a big part of that. Impact Tulsa was kind of running the really running the, the strategy on how do you, how do you really get this this information into the hands of parents so that they can make an informed decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that they've had a challenge. They're They're full. Um, they're at capacity, but I think they've, oh, they had, they, they've just had it, it's they've had a capacity. I mean, had a challenge about being um, geographically targeted as opposed to the whole North Tulsa community. They've tried yeah. to be a little more focused on the adjacent point. community, and so I think that's been a little bit of the. I think a lot of challenge. my community really just don't know what they do. Right. They don't know anything about what they did. Passed by it, but right. Educare. And they get it confused. I don't get it confused with Edrick. Yeah. Yeah. So which one? You know, so and uh, it's been there for almost ten, that that facility's been there for almost ten years. So. Yeah, it has. Hasn't it? I did yeah. want to get back to to um, your question about um, I, you oh, know, yeah, about the small us. small mm-hmm. business. Um, you know, one of the things, small business. Yeah, yes. one one of the things that we've been looking at really just globally, and we haven't cracked the nut on it by any means, but just you know, in Tulsa, there's not you know, in big cities, there's all these accelerator and incubation funds and stuff that that run around and mm-hmm. and that that make themselves available to small business and their ideas. So, you know, we have 36 degrees north, which is a great co-working space, but what do what do small business and even black upstart like what yep. happens after mm-hmm. they graduate from yeah. that kind of that early period where they've starting to get some clients, they start maybe hire they need a person some capital to, to take and, it yeah, to the next level. Right, exactly. Yep. They they need that money and so that's something that we've been exploring um about you know what? How how do we how do we track those funds to Tulsa? What should we do about it? And so that is something that we've definitely um, are researching. Yeah, because it's much needed in our community. We have a sure. lot of mom and pop build, buildings mm-hmm. and business owners who could who could really use the funding to help better right. their business. Right. So and know? I think and the the ways in which that you know I, I've seen oops, I've seen in in terms of just thinking about it and going about it is going back to the way of like, how do you make sure that you're, you're teaching someone to fish, right? Mm-hmm. So we could look at like some areas we have found, you know, it's just really just an infusion of capital. And it's this one time, like really big investment. And five years later, it's even worse than it was before. Yeah. So how do you really put together the, the systems and the structure so that people are continuing to learn and grow and be able to pull others in and teach them. So now everyone's growing together. Yeah. You got to have those mixers, I mm-hmm. guess, those pop up in them informative, right. yeah. uh, 
things that you can do at the library mm-hmm. in different places so people can get this yeah. information. And you need a community radio show. Yeah, right. Yeah. 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 show, right? That's Creating right. those right. connections. Yeah. And, and, and that's why we have this right here, this platform, so uh, the people in the community can get this information. Right. That's yeah. right. They need to know. Mm-hmm. And, you and know. I do want to give a big shout out to our friend uh, who may also just go by one name, but Rose. Yeah, Rose, Washington Rose. Oh, my goodness. Because, I mean, that that is what she does. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's, you know, a, uh, you know, I mean, it's an organization of one and they have, you know, limits to their their capacity. And so mm-hmm. um, I do I do want to just, you know. Yeah. Uh, commend her and the efforts of TDC mm-hmm. in that realm. And that's why they're partnering with yep. Black Upstart to get, you know, sort of that, that rolling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of business owners that really need the help. Mm-hmm. I mean, for example, uh, Billy Parker's Black Wall Street Market. Mm-hmm. I mean, she could use some help, you know, and there's so many others uh, that I can think of, you know, that could really use some real help, not just to give them anything, yeah, but just yeah. give them something well, and this is they could actually use it. Yeah, I think this also goes back to like a conversation that we have and really looking at how do we continue to grow and strengthen Tulsa yeah. from this standpoint of human capital, mm-hmm. right? right? And there is this, you know, there's, there's a grow your own strategy, but there's also an inbound strategy that mm-hmm. we have to make sure that we're managing it and right. really looking at. Yeah. And one of the ways that you, you can target some of that is through internship. Inter- and internship, when you, you right. think about Internships will be great for these students who are coming up here in North Tulsa, but there's also these businesses like you're talking about. Yeah. Imagine what it looks like to have one or two interns, yeah. and now you have this capacity that right. you don't have right. outside of that summer, exactly. and so it sets you up for the rest yeah. of the year. So, and and there's a historical place here in Tulsa uh, called Apache Circle mm-hmm. with Janet's Restaurant in there. Ooh, Ooh you've been there over there oh. to eat. I, Man, Janet has I want to say best, thank you food. so much to Miss Janet for oh, uh, my catering Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, me and Lauren did not cook oh, she anything. Oh. <laughs> we did not cook. So you anything. already know what it's all about, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. We she got well. Oh, you can tell Brandon doesn't food. have any kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So our, our dog is is ready for to be adopted. <laughs> so that's, that's the struggle I'm looking at now. Yeah, Janet <laughs> has some of the best food in town to me. Mm-hmm. Just personal. She's only open one day a week. That's how you That's know it's Sundays. good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Wish she could be able to open every day. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, her finances and much, she needing funding to get that good food out mm-hmm. there. And she's in the historical yeah. area of Apache Circle mm-hmm. right over there. And, uh, man, it's just good, you know. And, uh, you know, she, uh, she's up under the nonprofit, mm-hmm. uh, Not Forgotten Children, yep. you know. And, uh, man, you guys, if you listen, go to Janet's. Yeah, you know? seriously. If you yeah. have not been to Janice, I highly recommend it. I'm yeah, right now. Get the macaroni. Yeah, Sunday. She, pork chops. Yeah, all of that, man. Meatloaf, mashed potatoes, green beans. So good. You name it, it's right there, Janice. You mm-hmm. know, so we're gonna do that. We're partnered up with Janet. That's why I threw a little plug. Yeah, in there. yeah. So I mean, we also she's the, part of the our other program. thing in terms of that. Whenever we bring uh, guests in town, mm-hmm. we. Yeah, we've gone to Janice and asked her to open up and, and Boom. pretty much bought the, you yeah. know, really made sure that we're taking care of her in terms of her time and, and, and whatnot. But I have not had one complaint from anybody. Yeah, you won't. you won't. The, the hardest that. thing that I've had to figure out a way to combat is afterwards, everybody's ready to take a nap. You're going to be ready well, to do that when you go over there. For well, sure. I, you know, Brandon brings up a good point, too, about, you know, what, what we're doing you know, for Tolson's and I think, uh, uh, you know, part of his effort, uh, on the, the boomerang population and just going Mm -hmm. back to, you know, OU and OSU and saying, Hey, you know, the 
Tulsa's not the, the when you left, you know, Tulsa's a place yeah, you want to come, come back to, not, mm-hmm. you know, not mm-hmm. to, to go to college and get out of here. And so I think that's an important aspect too, because, you know, you start to bring, you know, bring these young professionals back, they stimulate ideas and create their own businesses. And then it's just better for, for mm-hmm. everyone. I mean, I can let Brandon talk yeah. more fully about that effort, but. Yeah, we've uh, really looked at, you know, where, where do people go? You know, I use my own story. I grew up right here in North Tulsa. Uh, oh man. I won't say I used to win all the games, but I used to play basketball a lot at Lacey Park uh-huh. right over here. And, you know, if, now you live by Lacey right, Park. Right. Huh? Right. Yeah. Uh, but got the chance to go down to Norman, go to school and, uh, really just didn't think I was going to come back. This whole idea of success was just how do we get out of here, you know, really making it um, so that I can have a chance to impact my family. And then lo and behold, I come back here and find that, you know, there's an opportunity for me to do that from Tulsa. So how do we make sure that everybody sees that and knows that they have an opportunity here, whether that be for, and again, that's why I go back to internships because they're so crucial. And so I'm partnering with the chamber and really partnering with, um, with other corporations and, and entities about creating opportunities for people who have the opportunity to go to college somewhere, whether that be in a surrounding region or uh, national. Like I, I think of one student who's at, um, you know, went to Booker T over here and is now at Howard and is interning here this summer uh, with us. Um, but he's going to see that he has an opportunity to make a difference right here in his community. And so we want to make sure that we're keeping Tulsa on their radars as they're, they're graduating and matriculating through, um, mm-hmm. through, uh, through their studies. But then also as they're moving through and thinking about, where can I live, work, and make a difference? Come right back to, to your community. Yeah, great. Well, look here. Let's take a phone call right quick, and uh, let's see who we have here. Area code 918-370. You're on the Bobby Eaton Show. Um, hi, Bobby. How are you? I'm doing fine. Who am I speaking with? Samantha Norman. Yes. Hey, Samantha. Hey, Samantha. Hi, how you doing? Hi, hi, Brandon. How are you? Good. Yeah. How you doing? Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. <laughs> I got to call kind of late, so I don't know who's all here. Who, oh. who am I speaking Suzanne to? Suzanne and Josh yeah. also. Okay, cool. Hi. So um, I don't know if we're speaking, like, I think we're speaking about the Black Upstart program. Mm-hmm. Is, am I correct? Yeah, we okay, were. Okay, cool. Okay, awesome. Cool. So the only question I was really going to ask was, um, you know, I – you know, I definitely think it's great to give funding to, you know, black entrepreneurs that are trying to get started. But, like, what are the plans for, like, more long-term, like, uh, economic empowerment and growth in the community that's going to try to, like, um, address the racial wealth gap in the city? Um, does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I think um... – one of the things that I, I would bring up in terms of Black Upstart, we, we look at it and we know from talking with everybody who we, we work with in terms of partners with Rose and, and others is really looking at it as like, this is a step one to really showcase people that there's an opportunity here for entrepreneurs, there's a need, um, but also that people are hungry for this. And so really when we think of those, those other plans, um, we look at them in ways where people can work together. And so we start to have more and more conversation with folks about what is it that you're, you're looking for? What are some of the things that you've seen? Um, I know I've had conversations with Charity about some programs that she's been looking at uh, more nationally, but some of it comes back to really the basics. And so we've had conversations about how do we implement things like this into schools or into programs that are in schools about economic empowerment and financial um, literacy, and then really even going even further to programs um, 
that specifically get to home ownership because you think about home ownership in terms of the ways that then entrepreneurs have um, really assets that they can then then use and work with. So really to, to narrow it down and get to your, your, the answer in terms of your specific question is really like, that's something that we're committed to, to figuring out and really working through. But I, I hope that people don't look at things like the black upstart and think that's it. You know, this is just what it's going to be this one thing. Cause it's really just a part of, of really pushing a conversation that continues here so that we can come up with a, a more robust plan. Exactly. The black upstart is something that we can do right now, mm-hmm. but the larger conversation is constantly flowing, thinking about, you know, looking at cash transfer programs, thinking about home ownership, uh, you know, programs that can be done, constantly trying to figure out what the right strategic investment in that is to address that gap because it's, it's very, very real. And it, it is what it is a path to equal mm-hmm. opportunity for young children mm-hmm. is addressing that gap. And it's really sparked some conversations that I, Again, you don't know what ripples will happen based on the conversations happening, but there's quite a few developers around here. You know, Councilor Hall Harford often asks, like, where's the black developers? And so looking at things like, you know, seeing the black upstart going in the types of businesses that people are wanting to start. Now, other developers are getting on board like, hey, I have this skill set and this information, like going back to what you're saying, Bobby, about this knowledge transfer. What have I been doing with this? Oh, I haven't been passing it in ways that are, are beneficial to to the black community. So, okay, how can I do that? Where can we start to plug people in? Uh, and then another one is really looking at what are, what is, what is the funding available? You know, we talked about TDC and whatnot being this one organization and no matter who you ask around town, you know, I've often messed with Rose and say, she's the Switzerland, like nobody has, you know, negative things to say about what she's <laughs> doing there and, and how she's infusing capital into businesses, but asking her, how can we, how can we make sure that what you're doing is then sustainable, but also how can we scale what you're doing so that you can serve more people? Mm-hmm. Do you know what Rose is doing over there at TEDC and who she's investing in and who's coming? I, in other words, is our, our community, are we coming over there? Mm-hmm. Yes. Are we applying for those loans and things over there? Well, if you think about the shops on Peoria, every one of those. Well, things. I know about the shops on but, Peoria. I mean, Everybody a, knows right. that. That's just something mm-hmm. that's been going but, on for years. But she has a but, wide portfolio. But, yeah. but other yeah. than that, is what else is being is going on as far as Rose and TEDC? You guys know of anything else? Well, I mean, she has a huge portfolio of yeah. of of company, you know, businesses that she's invested in. I couldn't. Okay. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Cause we, right. you know, we're visual people. Sure. And if we out of sight, out of mind, if we don't see it, then you're not doing right. it, you know, but we've known about shops on Peoria forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we just can't keep talking about just the shops on Peoria. Right. And that's a know? very tangible thing that, you know, the community. Yeah. Sees, right. The community sees that all the time. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, no, she's got a whole portfolio. Yeah, and, I know she does. I'm sure she'd be happy to come on here. And, yeah. And tell yeah. You yeah. She's been on here before, but it's yeah. been a minute, but. Yeah. Yes. I just wanted to know, is there anything else uh, outside want, of the well, shop? I don't want you know? to talk out of school about things I don't have full information about. But if I'm not mistaken, she's a part of the, the MetCare's effort to do that cohort of paying, helping helping pay people while they're doing job training. And I would I would get somebody from the MetCare's Foundation to talk about that. But I think for some reason, I think they've been able to incorporate TDC in that. You know, and well, a, TCW a, is as well. Yeah. And, you know, she's also this is I mean, she's also the sort of funding source behind the new grocery store that's going in front of the shops as well. So I know mm-hmm. it's not. Is that going to take place? It's, 
Every, I mean, all signs, all signs are yes. Huh? No, all signs are yes. Uh, right now, it's yes. 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 Okay, right I know yes. there was a sign up there, and then they took the sign down, and mm-hmm. everybody was wondering, well, yeah. is we going to have one? Yay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. Ooh. Yeah. You know, so we're getting a lot of that mixed emotions. <laughs> yeah. I about can understand a grocery yeah. store. Not yeah. believing it until right. you're like I, pushing a cart in the aisle. Yeah, exactly. Big question mark. Yeah. You know, is it going to happen? So, you yeah. know, I don't want to get my uh, community so excited for something that's not going to really happen. We'll see it. When we see it, we'll start believing. <laughs> well, yeah, it. Mm-hmm. I understand. You know, when it totally. takes place. And that's what it is. You know, when we see development being taken place, just like we saw a quick trip up here on the corner being built. Uh-oh, Quick Trip's here. They're building it. You know, Burger King is here. They're building it. Now, then we start saying, well, is that gentrification? You know, because what are those big companies, Quick Trip and everybody going to do for the community? That's a good question. Yeah. What are they going to do yeah. for the community? Right. You know, rather than just suck suck us all up dry for financial yeah. gain. You know, uh I believe in you got to give something back mm-hmm. and consult with the community before you just come to the community doing what you think you want to do. Now, I'm just being honest with yeah, that. Sure, yeah. You should come over here and consult, maybe go to Rule Seal, have some conversation, talk to the people and see if it's a good idea. So often companies are just buy up the land and I'm going to just do this, you know, and they don't consult with us over here in our underserved community, you know, because when you really look at it, and that's, I'm going to be frank with you. This is the tale of two cities, North Tulsa and everybody else. It's a tale of two cities. And uh, we live a different culture over here in North Tulsa. And everybody don't always understand our culture. Some do and some don't. You know. And as we try to move forward, those of us who try to make a difference in our community, <clears throat> we're there some, it's like putting on some extra large boxing gloves sometimes. You know, and... Um, it's difficult, you know, it's stressful, you know, uh, like Brandon's doing all this educational type programs for mixers and stuff like that, trying to give this information mm-hmm. to our people so we can go to another level and think a little bit different. So my thing is you got to pass the history down because how can you know where to go mm-hmm. if you don't know where you come from? And that's just that's just the way it is. So me and my dad and Dean Finley and the rest, we try to give this information and we talk that talk mm-hmm. all the time, every day. We're talking that talk. My dad been talking that talk for eighty four years, you know. And um, I'm 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 his son, so I'm talking that talk too. <laughs> yeah, you know, same talk. And then you know? Trey talking. And then that Trey talk. Trey, my son, <laughs> Bobby Eaton the third, because it's three of us. You know, he's talking that talk. Mm-hmm. You know, so. We're just trying to make a better situation and a better uh, thing for our community by education and knowledge, you know, and that's all we can do. Everybody not going to get on the bandwagon. Mm-hmm. You know, I understand that. That's in any race of people. You know, everybody's not going to be on the bandwagon. But over here in North Tulsa, we, we got a lot of work to do. It's a whole lot of work to do. And a lot of work sometimes take finance. Like right now, I'm trying to get a van. Mm-hmm. I want, I would love this love to have a 15 passenger just just a 15 passenger van and you know what i would do with the van it Tell would us. be it would be it would be our community van and what i would do is take that van that 15 pass go over to comanche pick up little kids yeah. 
over to Vernon Manor, take them around town, take them to Utica Square, ride around the neighborhood, show them all them big old houses and things that they could obtain if they're dreams because they never see these things. You know, I could take that van, go pick up some senior citizens, take them out to Walmart to shop and grocery shop and bring them on back and drop. Thank you, Miss Williams. Hey, have a nice day. I'll see you next week. I could take that van. Hey, Brandon, me, you, and Ramal, and so on. So we're going to go over to Oklahoma City to this conference over here. That's mm-hmm. right. This coming weekend. Boom. There's so many things I could do with just that transportation, you know, that I that we don't have. So, But I try to um, solicit for funding. I'm looking for, oh, man, I, we need this trans. I don't care. You can buy the, tr- the van. You know, just <laughs> donate it to us. You know what I mean? Uh, just because it's a need, you know, because... The centennial's coming, mm-hmm. right? Yes, it is. It's coming next year. People are gonna want to know, want to move around outside of just Greenwood, right? Yep. You know, and we stand to make a little money, but other businesses stand to make a lot of money. Talk that talk. You know, the, the hotels and Blue Dome District and all of that. They stand. They they gonna make a lot of money. So. I would love to see my people be able to hone in on some of those finances because they coming over here to the radio station. I already know that we've already been talking about it and they, they come in, I'm going to be interviewing everybody. I don't, you know, Jesse Jackson and everybody else, you name them, they coming. So, but we need over here at Eat Media Services, we need some transportation. It's just transportation. We need, that's a need over here. So I keep soliciting for the kids, the Juice Radio Show, mm-hmm. and take them kids around, go pick them up at Booger T, pick them up in McLean, mm-hmm. do all the stuff with this van. And what made me really concentrate on that van is when you guys helped us go to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. When you guys helped us go to Atlanta, right. and we were able to rent a van, and when we got to Atlanta, I said, wow, this van is just taking us everywhere everywhere we want to go and i'm taking groups of people you know what i mean we just going to the king center we going to like i said tyler perry we going to radio one steve hart we doing it all in this van we went to cnn news and the good thing about cnn is they have a regular tour Mm -hmm. that they take people off we went on the regular tour and then when that tour was over with they took us on the intricate Hmm. tour they think they don't normally take people. Yeah, that's we the were, Bobby Eaton tour. Yeah, the Bobby <laughs> Eaton tour. That's what they did, and they, where the producers were producing shows, and we were like, "Ooh, look at this!" And we tried to give those children a trip of a lifetime, mm-hmm. and they'll remember. Sounds that. like you did. Yeah, yeah. sounds right. pretty awesome to me. And we, and Can that's that's what time? we did. Yeah, yeah. well, okay, yeah, <laughs> we'll plan on that. Talk yeah. to Ramal. Okay, you know what I mean. So. But uh, that's what we did, and that's, those are the kind of things we try to do over here, you know. Since we got the ball rolling, mm-hmm. and this is uh, Joe Eden's hub, you know, that he put together, that's what we try to do over here, you know. And I understand you guys are doing things, and that's great. So we reach out to people like you, Brandon and, and Suzanne and Josh, and, you know, I'm trying to hook up Lobeck, Taylor, and all these other entities who where the funding is, you know, because – it's hard to raise that funding in an underserved community. You know, it, you know, it's it's kind of hard. So we need to get um, some funding for these projects. Right. You know, like I was telling you guys about the barbershop next door. 
You know, we need oh, the, yeah. yeah, the barbershop. You decide what he wanted to do with it? There he is right here. We're going to open it up. At, hey, Brandon, you didn't know. <laughs> we're going to open it up as a museum. Oh, nice. And we're going to put all these iconic uh, uh, African-American men and women's pictures all off in there. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be open to the public to where they can come in and get some history. Because that barbershop was a pillar of the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. It's where it started at, right over there. Mm-hmm. You know, the Homer Johnsons, Don Ross, all them, Ray Freemans, and, you know, Ray Cornelius and all the rest of them were right over there in that barbershop. I was a little boy when it was going on, and uh, I, w- I witnessed it, you know yeah. what I mean? And uh, they were fighting for civil rights. A lot of stuff going on, you know, mm-hmm. more than people know. Yeah. You know, we're just trying to get that information out there, you know, because our children are our future. And if we don't give it to them, they won't have it. That's right. That's I think point. you ought to definitely pursue it, the barbershop, because you mentioned earlier what's going to happen in night or in 2021. We have the centennial, but I think the goal is for it to be well beyond 2021. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We want yeah. to I mean, make maybe Tulsa. there's a partnership there. I mean, you know, knowing the getting hooked up with the 21 commission and stuff to i mean yeah I i've been in touch with uh yeah. with them over there and you trying know trying to get on the civil rights trail yeah nationally. right trying to because yep. i know that would be just one more thing of cultural tourism yep. that people can come and see the barbershop yeah because you'll you need know? someone to curate people's experience exactly. when they're in there you are to, you're gonna need, yeah right to spread that history and knowledge. my daddy right here yeah <laughs> man yeah. they don't yeah. get no heavier than yeah. the historian yeah that's, that's if you true. have a conversation with him you'll yeah. find out yourself <laughs> yeah you know i'll just sit down and just be quiet you know because he's the one who has all of the knowledge and experience about everything so he'll be there i'll be here i'm right next door so the information will be there we plan on putting a, a television in there that that constantly repeats and explains the story, mm-hmm. you know, over and over. We got a old Coke machine in there, ten mm-hmm. cent, ten cent for a soda, you know, things like that, you know, old barber clippers and old nostalgic chairs and all of that, you know, Dove sinks and we got it over there. We just got to put it all together, put that mm-hmm. puzzle back together, right? You know, so we're looking for some. We're taking some bids on some electricians and. Things like that, trying to. I want it done before the centennial even get here. I'd like to have it all done and we can just say, <sighs> exhale. Yeah. You know. And then it'll be a destination long time after that. Just oh, like yeah. The after rest that, of, mm-hmm. after of that centennial. That's what we want. That's right? what we need. We that's need, what we need. We need You're right, Suzanne. Opportunity for Tulsa to take that original sin and make something out of it where mm-hmm. we tell the history like you said because right. if we don't know where we came from we, we're not going to know where we're going mm-hmm. and see this building's not going anywhere you know it's bought and paid for it's close to 100 years old and uh i'm in here and you know it's not going anywhere so we need a van for the tourism after the centennial is over with mm-hmm. we can still Go down on Greenwood and just park down there. Y'all get on the van. We're going to take you down here to, we're going to take you over here to North Tulsa and ride you around. Stop off at Janet's and grab something to eat. Come by the historical barbershop museum. Come by the radio station. Just all of these things that a lot of people are not exposed to. We could just do that. So those are some of the opportunities that we're trying to go towards and, and trying to do over here at Eaton Media Services. Now, I'm going to do it regardless. Yeah. I'm going to get it done. There you go. You know, that's what, no matter what happens, I'm going. it's going to get done. You know, if I have to just 
call community workers over here just to come on here and help me. You know, whatever I have to do to get it done, it's going to get done. So, you know, I'm right there. Yeah, just like the Ogan Circle over there got done, yeah. didn't it? Yeah, it did get done. Huh? It did get done. Got now, done. Uh, yeah, it's full now. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Young professionals, huh? Mm-hmm. I know. Right. Yeah. I know. Lacey Park. They built some things. Are you guys familiar with Lacey Park? Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Lacey Park. You know, I used to go hang out at Lacey Park when I was a little boy, swim in the swimming pool, go around there. You know, it was at that time, it was called uh, Barry's Park. Barry's Park, then it became Lincoln Park. I remember Then it became it Lacey, Lacey Park, you know. So uh, back back in those days, Barry's Park is what we called it. You know, we used to go down. I used to play football down there, too. So Barry. a lot of history, man. It's a yeah. lot of... Uh, uh, African American history right over here in North Tulsa that needs to be exposed, man. People need to know about it. What you does know? Lacey stem from? What does anybody Mr. know? Lace, Coach, Coach Lacey, Lacey. who okay. was a coach at Booger T. Washington yeah. High School, yeah. who won all those championships and things like that. So he, they yeah. named it after him. Changed the name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I played, I played basketball over there. I don't know about you. Well, again, in the community center and stuff. Oh, yeah, I got dunked on over there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, dunked on yeah I'll let yeah. you know, you can yeah. take a charge in a real basketball game with officials, but when you're at the court and you take a charge, you just got dunked on. Yeah, you just got dunked yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, look here, we're going to take a little break, a little pause for the calls, okay? And we're going to be right back. You're on the Bobby Eaton Show where we tell our stories our way. And you can dial that number, 646 646- Seven one six five five two five, and don't you forget to press that uh, one button. That's what we want you to do. So stick around. We'll be right back. Okay. Searching for ways to grow your business? Or perhaps you would like to invest in Tulsa's African-American community. The Black Wall Street Chamber of Commerce is a great place to start. The Chamber was created to serve and increase the visibility of needs in our community. It is an umbrella organization for local businesses, the Tulsa Juneteenth Festival, BWS Black Women in Business, and the Grassroot Economic Development Fund known as BWS The Power Group. For more information about the Black Wall Street Chamber of Commerce or to donate to The Power Group, visit bwschamber.com. Dawn Tree here, CEO of Underground Tree Studios, your one-stop shop for graphics, web design, and art. You can find us online at www.utreep.com. That's the letter U-T-R-E-E-P.com. As well as finding us on Facebook, Underground Tree Studios, Instagram as Underground Tree. And you can also find artist Dawn Tree online as Artista Dawn Tree. And you can also kick it old school and give us a call at 202-910-4409. Don't hesitate to call us. All it takes is a 10-minute consultation. We can have you hooked up. Peace. If your credit starts with a three, four, five, or six, this is for you. Did you know that it's costing you to have bad credit? You can't get qualified for that house or apartment and you're paying high interest rates, along with paying high car insurance, and it may be costing you that job that you really want. What are you waiting on? Take more of a holistic approach. Pick up the phone and call the Credit Shiro at 832 642 
1554 or text CAMP to 76626. With 13 amazing services, we restore and repair generations to come. Once again, call the Credit Shiro at 832-642-1554 or text CAMP to 76626. If you know better, you do better. Only the Credit Shiro can help you to save the day. Theater North presents The Face of Emmett Till, directed by Dr. Rodney L. Clark at the Tulsa Performing Arts Center at the Liddy Dungeons Theater, March 1st and 8th, 2020 at 3 p.m. and March 7th, 2020 at 8 p.m. This is his story told by his mother's words. Visit our website right now at www.tulsapac.com or call 918-596-7111. This is a story that you don't want to miss. The Face of Emmett Till, directed by Dr. Rodney L. Clark. Be there. I might as well drop a Sunshine, Randall Lopez, Oak Mill, and DJ Perfecto. Yep, that's my crew. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up every morning with your morning crew from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. on the all new 89.9 FM Community Radio. Who's that? KBOB. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Tune into the Groove Zone. Join Gail, Mr. Groove Taylor, every Saturday from 2.30 to 5.30. You're in the zone. You're in the zone. On the all-new Community Radio, 89.9 FM. Right about now. Let's go. Find them on Facebook, the Two Dog Sports Talk. A place sports talk is talked about from a fan's point of view. North Tulsa's very own sports talk on 89.9 FM and Facebook Live with Drone and Yo. Turn it up and listen. It's the Juice Radio Show, bringing the liveest people on our show. Tulsa's top chefs, music artists, and entrepreneurs. Sit down exclusively with the Juice. You're rocking with the best. The Juice Radio Show, Tulsa. Theater North presents The Face of Emmett Till, directed by Dr. Rodney L. Clark at the Tulsa Performing Arts Center, at the Liddy Dungeons Theater, March 1st and 8th, 2020, at 3 p.m. And March 7, 2020 at 8 p.m. This is his story told by his mother's words. Visit our website right now at www.tulsapac.com or call 918-596-7111. This is a story that you don't want to miss. The Face of Emmett Hill, directed by Dr. Rodney L. Clark. Be there. KBOB, the home of the Bobby Eaton Show, the Juice Radio Show, and Two Dogs Radio Show. Yeah. I do it big. Okay. You better R-E-S-P-E-C-T me. Tulsa, Oklahoma. Stay connected and call us now at 646-716-5525 and press 1 to go live. Oh, yeah. This is the Bobby Eaton Show where we tell our stories our way. And we're here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time, and on Saturdays from 12 to 2 p.m. You know, we tell our stories our way. 
And in the studio, Kaiser Foundation, we've been chopping it up, talking the talk, walking the walk, you know, and uh, uh, that kind of thing right there. So what current project besides 36th Street are you guys working on here in Tulsa? Others, other than that particular project, we know that's an ongoing project, right? So, so uh, what what project are you working on right now? We Others. have a lot yeah. of efforts before us, but some exciting things that we're working on are we're working on State Question 805, which is a criminal justice reform effort, and we, uh, Dr. Tiffany Crutcher is a big part of that effort. Okay, Dr. Tiffany. Yeah, and um, Dr. Turner and several broad coalition of people, including Oklahoma's for Criminal Justice Reform, uh, working on um, changing our criminal justice. Um, so when you say criminal justice, and I'm just asking, and this partic- particular legislative situation, yeah, it's gonna be a question explain, it, gonna be- explain it to my audience what it is. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'll tell you about the policy, and then I'll tell you how we're going to get there. And, you know, okay. So in Oklahoma, we have sentences that are about 60% longer than the entire rest of the country, 60% longer. Mm. So it's pretty easy to figure out why we're the number one or number two incarcerator in the world for men and women now. Um, So the men have came up. Yeah. Number one. I know the women were at one time. So I think we're, we're down at like maybe, you know, in the United States, like, Depending on if you want to say number one or down mm-hmm. at the bottom, yeah. But we're we vibe we're we're, we're one and two between us and Mississippi. Wow. Yep. Um, and now we're up there with on men as well. And the and the reasons behind that is because our sentences are so long. But you add on to our sentences being so long, you can actually stack those sentences. Mm-hmm. So you go in sixty percent longer than New Mexico or California or Texas or Missouri or Arkansas in Oklahoma, if you are a repeat offender, you're going to double that. If you repeat that crime again, you're going to go back a third time. So there's no way we're going to reduce our prison population with those laws in place. Mm -hmm. And they're privately owned prisons too, right? We have, we do have some privately owned prisons, but we got plenty of problems that are (laughs) (laughs) generated by the state of Oklahoma, not just, private prisons. I mean, I it isn't it isn't necessarily industry driven. This is a very specific state statute or state stat, set of state statutes that really create this long, long, long stays in prison. And once you get there, a whole separate issue is there really isn't any kind of rehab going on in prison. Yeah. We're just housing people. And they, mm-hmm. in many cases, are coming out a lot worse off no, than they've been in. No, not a lot of programs, is it? No. no. You know, no. because I notice no. in my community it's like this. I mean, use an example. Say uh, John goes to prison, right? He has a girlfriend or a wife and two kids. Okay, he goes to prison. He's locked down for five years, right? So what happens when John, time comes for John to get released, he gets released and go back to the same neighborhood. Now he's a convicted felon. Mm-hmm. So with my community not having a lot of economic jobs and things like that going on, and he doesn't have any transportation, you know. And he probably go, lost his driver's right. license. And he lost his driver's license, so he's right. got to try to catch the bus to find a job. And the job say, oh, no, you're a felon. We're not going to hire you. But don't let him be on parole. Yeah, don't let him be on parole. Oh, no, he's not finding No, He's not getting a job if he's on parole. So he goes back to his neighborhood, 
and he and his spouse start spatting and getting into it. Now, you've been out six months now. You haven't found anything, you know, three months or whatever it may be. So he becomes depressed and a loss of hope. Uh, Man, it's so maybe he takes to the streets again, drinks, alcohol, drugs or whatever, starts using. And all of a sudden he's busted all over again and back to the prison system. We got to find a way to have some some jobs, some employment and work, you know, to keep for felons. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Vanessa Hall Harper and Edgerick and them have an insp- expungement, expungement for, right, yep. uh, out there, expo mm-hmm. out there. Yep. At the a 36. great thing that she started. Yeah. And, and, and they're able important. to wipe some people's stuff yep. clean. I'm like, we need more of that. Because and, these guys, if you do your time, you, you know, because you did the crime, you should be able to still vote. Right. You should still be yeah. able to obtain some driver's license if you've done your time to society. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's what I believe and I think, you know. Definitely. You, you and we to need to that. be thinking some things up front so that there are not it's not so easy to catch a felony, which mm-hmm. is Oklahoma you're looking the wrong way and you can step into a felony. So back to 805. 805. The yes. effort mm-hmm. is that when you have a a stack stacking these crimes what 805 does is take the nonviolent crimes away and say you cannot stack those anymore. You can still go to prison the first time, and if the, 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 the sentence is already 60% longer the first time. So you get picked up on that crime, on a nonviolent crime, you go to prison for that amount of time. If you repeat that crime the second time, it's the same amount as the second time. Not more time. Not huh? sec, not tripled, not, you know, not. Up to tripling, so many times it goes from to life on your second or third. You're you're looking for at non, life for, for a, a non-violent, non-violent crime. Right. You're going to die in prison for a non-violent crime. So, for example, a guy keeps getting busted for smoking marijuana. Well, that's right? a whole different. Mm-hmm. Is that yeah. a different thing? Well, yeah. we we have, and this is why I believe we're going to do this in the state of Oklahoma because Oklahomans, one in four Oklahomans, has a touch with the criminal justice system, so they they know that it's not right. They know how hard on families it is. They know how hard on the economy it is, and they want it to change, and they proved that when we passed 780 and 781, which defelonized personal possession of drugs, which people were going to prison for for extremely long sentences. Mm. But take take your example of one... Just change it to a property crime. Yeah, a hard. property okay. crime, property crime, or say, let's say you get charged with trafficking, which mm-hmm. it's not hard to do. Right. You know, you have people that are drug addicts that may have scales with them, or they may have a, a quantity that maybe think, makes them look like a dealer, but they're, they're sick. They have a mental health disease addiction, yep. and addiction, and they're traveling with those things, and they're looking, they're, then they're looking at a trafficking crime, right? So they, they go to prison that first time for a certain amount on that. Second time, it's the only time they can, they can only go that same amount again. And we change that. That should drive some our population down. It's a, it's a really good lever right now for the state questions. You have to get a certain amount of signatures, 179,000 and we're in the signature collection phase. So if you see someone uh, at the shops on Peoria or outside, you need to give it to me over here. I can get people signed up on a lot of that. We'll get you, know, you connected yeah. get with Oklahomans for criminal know. justice Absolutely. reform. Yeah. As yeah. many people yeah. as you have coming in and out of here, mm-hmm. let's get you trained on how to get these signatures. 
on the ballot, and we have to get 179,000, which we're doing great where, on. Do you know the numbers where you're at now? I think we're uh, almost probably close to 100,000 already. Okay. March 29th, though. Mm-hmm. Um, Was that the deadline? Yeah. Ooh, got to get those quick, huh? Yeah. And we will have well in advance of those. When I say nearly 100,000, that means 100,000 that are going to qualify. We probably have way more mm-hmm. than those, but lots of people. Don't qualify. Sign. Yeah, they sign. You ask them if you're a registered voter. They write down. They think they think they're still registered at this address or that address or they believe they're registered. And mm-hmm. for whatever reason, they're, it's not a current registration. Mm-hmm. So kind of about every third or fourth person that signs, they actually are get kicked off. So when you're getting your signatures, you have to get actually way more than the 179 to kind of run off mm-hmm. offenders. But we, so, you know, that's a, a, we're a partner in working on 805. We were a partner in the defilonization. And then once you get those things passed, you have to think about protecting them. Um, 805 actually would put this in the constitution to say mm-hmm. that you cannot stack, the stack sentences for nonviolent crimes. Yeah. 780, 781 um, which was the defelonization of personal possession of drugs and small property um, crimes um, is actually legislative. And we're constantly fighting all the way up through today to protect that from going back to felony status mm-hmm. because it's legislative. So the legislature can monkey with it. So mm. that's why we made this bigger step on 805 to really make a big change. And there's big changes needed in Oklahoma's criminal justice system. Oh, most definitely. But another program that we invest in right here, Josh mentioned it earlier, and I don't know if you've ever had these folks on your program, but still she rises, Tulsa. Yeah, I think they've been on here before. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got to think, yeah. yeah. Probably so. Yeah, and they're getting ready to mm-hmm. – yeah, they have yeah. been on. Brandon, you part of that? No. No, still she rises is a law office. Law office, yeah, mm-hmm. they've been on here. So they, so they've they, been on here before. Yeah, so Sorry, they, I just no, couldn't no, remember. No, no, you, you. Yeah, yeah they help. Folks. Yeah. They help. Well, they help. You know, women with children mm-hmm. in this zip code, mm-hmm. um, right when they intersect with the criminal justice system. Big problem is, is right when you, right. Frequently, we're getting people when they're way down mm-hmm. the line and they have so many issues. They've lost their driver's license. They've got a couple of warrants. They have things that make it complicated. This is something to try to intervene right away at the very front end. Because so many times, even before they're ever, you know, ever charged, or, I mean, you know, they're put in prison, they're, mm-hmm. you know, are put in, in jail uh, while they're, there's holding times. The separation <laughs> from families is is very traumatic. And so, like Suzanne said, Suzanne said they're they're intervening at the very beginning. They just Simple legal representation can help fight, and then then there's a bigger issue that they help with a lot, which is you know if they're physically if the if and they're uh, again Suzanne m- mentioned that it's you know focused on uh, women you know parents um, moms really that that are from this zip code, but you know if they're if they're abused and then the children have any effects from that abuse, they can sometimes get charged with failure to protect. Yeah, and I mean nothing will increase the likelihood mm-hmm. of that kid. Being involved in the justice system, then having the, then you know putting in the foster care system yeah. or having separation from their parents, and so so this really kind of keeps that family unit together and protects the the moms many times. So it's a very important thing. I think back to your jobs point. One small thing that uh, another program that we invest in is called CEO. It's Center for Employment Opportunity, and so mm. they they focus on actually felons and they give them. Uh, jobs the day they walk out of, of prison and provide them a daily stipend. They give them job skills. And so it's really that long-term uh, effort to get them employed from, 
day one. Um, I think not necessarily, it's not a legislative thing. And I think other states have done the ban the box, you know, check mm-hmm. the felony box. Uh-huh. But I yeah. will say, at least in the manufacturing world, for example, I, I think a lot of motivated for however you, however they're motivated by maybe just simply to just, you know, expand their, their workforce opportunities, um, but have really started to take, you know, justice involved individuals and really kind of, you know, look at that and, and be very intentional about, you know, um, providing, you know, job opportunities. I mean, Muncie, for example, one of the reasons that we were sold on them is because they have folks that were formerly justice involved that work there. Uh, and so um, and that's, I know that's something Councillor Hall Harper definitely uh, is, is a big advocate of. And so, um, but anyway, so that's, those are things that at least in that, in that industry, you know, um, uh, you know, they're focused on as well. Uh, it's, tough if someone has a federal contract because there's federal prohibitions to some mm-hmm. of this stuff but but for the most part um i think there's there's been a focus on that and the state companies. is looking at a lot of the licenses now that you're prohibited from getting a certain type of license there's if you have handler a licenses and, and, different things and like i that, think yeah. you know in some ways oklahoma has a shown uh the legislature has shown some willingness to really look at these things because mm-hmm. they're realizing the effect it has on families and the economy to just continue to incarcerate people without when they're not dangerous to society taking breaking families up you know this is not a tax-paying citizen anymore mm-hmm. right they can't generate what they need for the economy or to take care of themselves or pay their taxes or anything else so it's 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 a problem that however you come at it whether you're you know a christian and you believe in redemption and second chances um, or whether you're just looking at the dollar side of it, or all of it together, mm-hmm. it, it it there's a there's a real motivation to do some intense change in that. So um, we are going to get you a petition on 805. Yeah, I'd like to help out on that, so, you know, because yeah. that's important. Yes, definitely, you know. definitely. Mm-hmm. And you, I don't want anybody spending any unnecessary time in the prison system. Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's enough of us in there. They say. The United States has 68% of the prison system throughout the United States, African-American men. It's incredibly yep. disproportional, yep. and the same is true in Oklahoma. 68% yep. Yes. of the prison system Yes. in America, right? Af- incarcerated African-American males. I mean, it's just crazy. And I'm pretty sure, I know there's probably some guys right down here as we speak, who had David L. Moss, who could get out of jail if they had $150. Right. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And then some of them get just lost in the system and just locked up yep. weeks yep. and weeks at a time, months and months at a time. And then all they need is $150 for bail yeah. on, and we'll, on a small crime. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that for a fact. In my role at the foundation, a lot of what we do is look at these efforts uh, that we can change policy. Like there's things that, you know, even a great big foundation like the George Kaiser Family Foundation with billions of dollars can't do what the state can do, right? Mm -hmm. It can't make those changes. And so whether it's investing in public education or changing the criminal justice system or thinking about things like fines and fees and bail, Mm -hmm. that has to be changed at the Mm -hmm. state level. We can't throw any money at that to fix that. And so we have been advocating for a bail system that, A, is compliant with the federal yeah. constitution, which and ours our, is not. And the police department itself, too, needs to get educated, you know, about culture, you know, because they're arresting people for little bitty stuff just 
stop and frisk. You know what I mean? Basically, you know, my friend Dean Finley, he's an ex-police officer, and he tells me a lot about uh, the police department and about a lot about law and what happens out there in that scene. You know, after being a police officer for 25, 30 years, you know, you know this right here in Tulsa, you know, mm-hmm. and he's ex-Army too, so, you know, <laughs> a little bit, they go hand in hand. So, yeah. you know, he tells me a lot of stuff that I didn't know that goes on in community policing, you know, and sometimes African-Americans are the most targeted people out there. You know, young African-American males are very targeted, you know. The numbers numbers don't lie. They don't lie. You know, so. You were very kind to say sometimes. Huh? You were very kind to say sometimes. Well, see, mm-hmm. I shouldn't have said it most of the time. Yeah. You know, I should say that. The data ch- shows I'll, it. Brandon, yeah. I'll change that for you. <laughs> you know, most of the time. And we have to get the education out there to let. You know, it's kind of sad when you ride down the street over here and you pull up on the side of a police officer at the stop sign and you don't even want to look in his direction. <laughs> you, you understand what I'm saying? I do. You don't want to. Oh, there's a. Are you pulling? You see a police car up there? You gonna pull off on a on a side street just because? You know you have that much fear, and a lot of people in our community have that much mm-hmm. fear. Yeah. And haven't done anything wrong. They don't have warrants. They don't have nothing out. But just the idea of they're gonna get stopped and something. You know, could happen. Could happen. Uh, you know, not to get too personal, but Brandon and I the other day were having a conversation about shared experiences as kids, oh, and yeah. that's where our oh yeah, that's where our shared experiences diverged. And I actually brought it up to him. <laughs> oh and really? I, well, I've never. You know, it's not something. I mean, I'm white, and it's not something that I ever think twice about. And you know, I bring it up to Brandon. I'm like, no, here's where you and I, you know, have different mm-hmm. experiences. And he was mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's that's very true. Yeah, and it's a sad statement, but but certainly, you know. The, uh, if people could accept that they have implicit biases to, you know, mm-hmm. towards things, including the police, and and it's it's important. I had yeah. the same experience as a mom after Terrence Crutcher was killed. I was talking with a another woman who's African American, telling me that when she has to teach her kids that when they see a police officer, hands up. Mm-hmm. I have never said. It ever had that thought to have to talk to my kids about yeah, anything the like that. Yeah, conversation needs to take place. And that, that was a big moment for me. I'll mm-hmm. never forget that. Yeah. In, in in the African-American community, that is a conversation that most of us need to have with our children. You know, just be careful. Don't pile all up in the car. Four or five people all piled up in there. Watch where you're going. Watch what streets you go down. I remember there was a time when we used to have a lot of night spots over here in North Tulsa, and they would let out at 2 o'clock in the yep. morning. Don't go down Peoria because mm-hmm. the police is sitting right down there just waiting to stop somebody. And they will stop. Some, every every night, they will stop. So take the back streets mm-hmm. going home. And you just have to do stuff like that, you know. Uh, police officers, some of them used to just stop blacks just for the heck of it, you know, just uh, on GP to have some fun. Mm-hmm. Take them out to Mohawk Park and beat the heck out of them and mm-hmm. then take them back to the jail cell. Mm. Mm-hmm. That would happen plenty of times, you know. All kinds of stuff would happen just on GP. Oh, let's go on and take him on out there. Then you go to the jail cell. You are all swole up. They say you were resisting arrest. 
they take you out there and beat you down. Yeah. You know, and that's just reality and the life of it. So we still struggle as a people in a whole lot of areas, even though we've made some moves forward. We got a lot more moves to do. You know, we got, we just got to, it's a lot more to go on. And in some cases, it's even worse than what it was back then, even today in 2020, you know. In what ways do you see that? Well, I see, what ways I see is sometimes if I go out to some restaurants, I'm just going to say, depending on what restaurant I go to, but if I go to a restaurant and I've got my date, a girl with me or whatever, if I'm in certain restaurants, I'm going to get people looking at me funny. Mm-hmm. Soon as I come through the door, everybody's going to be looking at me sort of real funny, like, you know, what funny looks on the face. That's some restaurants, you know, so that's telling me that some people are not conscious about racism. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they still hold on to what they, their grandpas or grandmas used to do back in the day and everybody's still stuck right there. So therefore, uh, I have to understand that people like my dad and them made it possible for us to go in them restaurants. Mm-hmm. So I go in there prideful and be a prideful, strong black man and stand up for what I feel. You know, if a waitress comes over and she acts kind of funny towards me, I demand respect, you know, and I'll let her as, know. As you should. You know, <laughs> I'll, and I'll let her know. I don't have no problems confronting uh, racist white people. I don't have that problem. Some of them do scared and blah, 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 blah. Bobby Eaton don't do it. I come from Bobby Eaton. You know, so <laughs> that's the way that's the way that it is. And I can be deemed sometimes that some people kind of radical. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He's right. I don't care. To be asked to be treated like a person is not radical. It, yeah, to ask mm-hmm. to be treated like a human Stay being. louder for people in the back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I understand how the situation here is in, the, in America. Slavery is on, something that happens. Can and, I ask you a question yeah. on yes, that sir. in terms of the restaurants? This is something that we, me and uh, friends talk about often. Okay. So you go to this restaurant, you have you have your meal, and you've had this experience, mm-hmm. um, something that might have rubbed you the wrong way. Do you tip? Because it's also stereotypical that like black people don't tip well. <laughs> so yeah. you, do you tip or do you not tip? Well, in well, those situations, my tip is the the question. If I don't like my service, I'm going to tell you first. You know what I mean? And if you have treated me unjustly, you won't get no tip from me. Mm-hmm. You know, but if you've been real nice and good service and, oh, man, she's he's good, she's good, then I'm going to tip you. Yeah. You know what I mean? But if you've been rude and I've been waiting over here for you to come over here and you you don't went around to everybody else yeah. and you see me sitting over here and I'm an African-American just sitting here waiting, yeah. waiting now. Five minutes and turn into ten minutes, and ten minutes is like, and then I'm getting up, either and gonna come. I'm gonna ask for your manager. That's what Bobby Eaton do. I'm gonna ask for your manager. Where you? I've been in here fifteen minutes, twenty minutes, and it's not that many people in here. Why come I'm not getting service? Mm-hmm. That's what I'm gonna do. You know, then I'm gonna leave. Yeah, and never go back. That's what I'm going to I went in Bronx. talk about him on the Bobby Eaton show. Yeah. yeah you know, right. I'm going to share, <laughs> I'm gonna share something with you. I'm going to share something with Brahms. Yeah. Brahms. I'm going to share. I went to a Brahms out south, and I was in line, and it was long line behind me. And when I got up to the counter and looked, they said, how can I help you? 
I said, where's your manager at? Look at your countertops. There was just ice cream dripping all down on it. It was slushy and just slushy on the floor. I said, oh, this is horrible. So the manager came out. I say, look at your countertop right there. It's disgusting. You mean to tell me you're serving ice cream to people and we're supposed to just patronize this business? Uh, and it was it was about nine employees walking around. Nobody wasn't cleaning and wiping. And then when I was saying that, then this other lady, she started going over there trying to wipe and clean up. And the line behind me, I, I said, y'all want to eat? Y'all want some ice cream out of this place? That's why I looked around and everybody left. <laughs> everybody, been, it was about 10 people behind me and everybody left. Was the employees leaning? Huh? Were the employees leaning on the counters and stuff? No, they, yeah, they were just hanging out. No, See, that's, that, no, that's because they, they, were all like, right, right. they were all like 12. It's <laughs> yeah. probably. They the used right. to tell us all the time, you have time yeah. to lean, you have time to clean. Yeah. yeah. And it was nasty. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. You have to speak up for what you see or else you'll settle for anything. You know, and I'm not the type of man that, to just settle for anything. I've been taught different. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know, you gotta speak up. Yeah. Speak up, you know. I also get up uh it embarrasses people sometimes, but I'll I'll keep watching where the waiter or waitress is going in terms of like putting the water bucket mm-hmm. and I'll just go refill my own water. Yeah. Make people you go to the water okay, machine and just go, go refill yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. Don't worry, I I took care of I got it. it. I got <laughs> it. And that's a new one right there. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna have to use that, you know. Brandon <laughs> likes making people I so do. uncomfortable. I, I think it's it's a thing he They has. like making them uncomfortable. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. A little yeah. social experience. Some people yeah. need he to definitely be... reels you in and makes you feel like he's the nicest guy in the world. Yeah. Oh, he does. Yeah. 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 It's, it's Don't let the smile fool you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's all mirage. Yeah. Yeah. That's all good, though. But, you know, you, you have to demand respect wherever you go, no matter what situation you're at, you know. And, you know, I'm not a brown noser. I'm not going to get around. Just because of status mm-hmm. and be brown nosing, you know, people will do that, and uh, I just not brought up that way. So, you know, I have seen a lot of millionaires in my life in entertainment business, people with money and stuff like that, and easy come, easy go, you know. So, I ain't still just people. Huh? They're mm-hmm. still just people. Yeah. I mean, I've seen them just just be miss. Some of them be miserable. Yeah. Got all that, all of that going on, all them mm-hmm. cars and houses and swimming pools, and just be miserable. You know, I'm like, why? Why? <laughs> yeah. You know, but that's a part of life. You know, part of life right there. Uh, you guys uh, um, have? Do they assign you certain projects? Yep. I mean, is that the way? Is that the way it go? Or is there a, is there a committee or something? You guys get together? Yeah. I mean, we all we all have our focus areas. Yeah, you know, focus areas. Yeah, okay. yeah. I'm gonna use that. Yeah, we, yeah. we do. But, but do they intertwine with each other? Oh, that's yeah. why There's we were laughing because laughing. It's, yeah. it's, uh-huh. you know it's, it, we were laughing because you 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 look at it and we have like these focus areas. But once you similar to what Suzanne was talking about in terms of like the the scope, like we were heavily focused as an organization on making sure that every child has equal access. When when you start to do that you start to see that there's a lot of things outside of education even that you have to wrap your arms around. And so as Josh is working on things with Peoria Mohawk, it really starts, these areas start to overlap very quickly. And before you know it, everybody's like, can we just all get together? Because this is, yeah. this is a, a I bet lot you guys of meet a lot, do. don't you? A lot of meetings? <laughs> we have a lot of individual meetings. But individual we have a, meeting? a big yeah. meeting every week yeah, on our Tuesday. Staff. Yep. Our entire staff. And mm-hmm. our culture is definitely... Uh, yeah. very there, there's there's mm-hmm. no uh, it's very, very flat. flat. 
Yeah. So we're all out there pulling on the same rope, mm-hmm. doing the same kind of work. Everybody's pick somebody up from the airport yep, yep. and, you know, taking them on a tour. I mean, these mm-hmm. guys do more Whatever of that, is, yeah. but I came to the foundation to work part-time on <laughs> the gathering place. Yeah. The gathering it, place. When it was just, mm-hmm. we didn't even have a model yeah. at that time. And then we had a big model, which seemed to grow so grand at the time. <laughs> it was a big model longer than this room where we would to uh, ask them to be partners in the gathering place. And we uh, started out, we were going to raise $60 million and we ended up raising about $200 million from outside of the foundation. For the gathering place. For the gathering place. Yeah, the operation. Yeah, the operation. So speaking of that, whose idea was it? Mr. Kaiser. It really was. They, really, the, 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 the gathering place was Mr. Mr. Yeah. Kaiser's idea. Yeah, that vision. Yeah, on a napkin. Yeah. When, when, on a napkin. Well, uh, there's some <laughs> more to that. On a that. But, but I mean, when he when he started the foundation in its sort of current form, uh, he had a list of, I don't know, three pages of sort of just general big visions of things that he wanted to achieve in Tulsa and creating a central gathering place for the city um he didn't call it that at the time but and that was the name we kind of just adopted but but he said all all great cities have great central sort of civic spaces you know you think about central park in new york and and um other places like that and so that was and and it really was i mean the manifestation of the park today really was the vision which is to bring the four corners of the city back together to uh you know to to enjoy things together i mean Mm -hmm. you know to be to be together and have um, and so, because when I mean, you know, George is a Tulsa. He grew up here. Um, he uh, went to Central. He went to Central. Oh, really? Yeah. He what was Central what, what brave, year? Like, do you know? I I, I don't. don't. You don't? It would have been in the seventy-seven. Yeah. So he went to. He went to. He was at. He was at downtown. PSO, the downtown yeah, campus. Downtown. Yeah, I remember the downtown yeah. campus mm-hmm. of so Central. In, anyway, I say all that to say that he he had he remembered a a, a, a Tulsa. You know, uh, even as you know, recent as the eighties that there was just more collaboration and just, you know, it felt like more of a community felt like the city was losing some of that. And so, so that was really, and it was all part of the effort of if we want to have a vibrant and inclusive city for the, for the families that live here. And also to, if we ever want to grow and attract and retain talent, you know, you need these types of amenities to make Tulsa, uh, you know, a truly vibrant and inclusive place. And, and so that's where that idea kind of came from. So he created that idea. Huh? He he did. And he had this, like you said, Josh said, this vision of everybody being able. He, he a lot of times, some things we do are fueled mm-hmm. by our, um, mm-hmm. I don't want to say envy, but Oklahoma City. He had mm-hmm. a kind of an idea that there was this catalytic event in Oklahoma City that mm-hmm. brought, after the Oklahoma City bombing, that mm-hmm. really brought that city, city where together, they unity. together. Yeah. And, and he wanted that here. He Tulsa. wanted yeah. to build that community right. and he saw the gathering place mm-hmm. as an opportunity yeah. to do that. And when you go there, I mean, I couldn't even have imagined, I don't think we could have made a commercial that represented all the kinds of people. When I go to the gathering, place, yeah, I know. Yeah. whether it's someone differently mm-hmm. abled yeah. or of, you know, a person from the Hmong, you know, community. Uh, community. Yeah. I mean, it is, like it just amazes been me. Been there before. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. every time. Tony, you know, I've interviewed Tony Moore right yep. over here Tony, yeah. several times. Yep. Tony's been over here. Smooth yeah. butter. Smooth yeah. butter. Smooth yeah. Tony. Yeah. Smooth Tony. Yeah. One of the greatest yeah. things we ever did was recruiting Tony oh, Moore yeah, to Tulsa. Sure. Yeah, great guy. Sure. Yeah. By the way, yeah. and, and you mentioned Comanche and your transportation, but, you know, com- uh, the gathering place sponsors um, – uh, a bus, a school yeah, bus. Yeah, I know. Yeah. A school bus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, They're trying to increase 
uh, people using that bus. Well, the issue um, is, is that I think actually I think it's the state of Oklahoma law, but you can't without you know, the parents. Yeah, without the parents, they have to be sixteen or older, and so and so that's the issue. The kids all want to go, but you know the parents, it's a, it's a dedication of time, so they're trying to figure out ways uh, around that. Almost anyway. like you need a camp counselor yeah. or something yeah. to get I on bet the you, oh, I bet you alone, I can get some kids uh, on a bus. Well, yeah. you yeah. know, I bet you I can get them on a van. Yeah. I load them kids up. Well, be... if you'll vouch for all of them, Bobby, on that <laughs> bus, then, then, yeah. then I think you're good. Yeah. So, I got to get them on my bus. Yeah, well, you're Trust back. me, yeah. and I but, can take them to the gathering yeah. place. But, you know, Crossover, mm-hmm. for example, Crossover uh, Community, um, they, you know, they do, uh, they have a street leader program that they mm-hmm. do at Hawthorne and it's, it's high school kids. Yeah. Um, and so that, like, for example, that was an opportunity or an idea cause they're over right. 16. So mm-hmm. they could go and chaperone and stuff. Yeah. So there's, there's been some Jobs, ideas about how to get, jobs. yep. So, and they, yeah, they do get, they do mm-hmm. get a stipend for doing that. Yep. So. Oh, they do. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm. Okay. So back to your question. Yeah. I mean, I got hired to come on and work on the gathering place and almost everything I do now is, policy oriented at the is that what you were doing before are you with the foundation and that was a project i came on to work on the gathering place the gathering place okay to to help fundraising mostly what i did was follow mr kaiser around and (laughs) he's always one step ahead of us he was with him when i said well yeah right yeah and and he was doing all the asking and he had more ideas than any of us i mean he's he's constantly what kind of person is he he, yeah. well, yeah, Mr. what kind of person yeah. is he? Well, I mean, he's, he, uh, he's, I, I guarantee what he's doing right now. I what he's doing right now is working. He's out yeah, work yeah. all of us all day. Well, one of the reasons he's going to say no, I can't come to the Bobby Eaton shows because mm-hmm. I can't. I have to work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's well, he's a workaholic. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Understatement. Yeah. Understatement. Huh? Yes. I he mean, works in his sleep, huh? He, he, wor- he works. I don't know if he sleeps. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure yeah. Really? He, he works. And he's, he does. How old is Mr. Kaiser? Oh, he's 78. 70, I was going to say 77. I'm yeah. not Somewhere sure. Somewhere up that, in there? Yeah. That's okay. right. But yeah. he, he works. He's he's incredibly passionate about what the foundation does. So, I mean, I think if he could quit the, the for-profit <laughs> side of stuff, I mean, I think he Which technically he, he could, but yeah, he, he right. never He'll, would. He never will. I mean, he'll. He'll he'll probably pass away sitting in his office like working on something. So, but but I mean, it, you know, actually incredibly reclusive. I mean, not not you know, I mean, he is a billionaire, yes, but he, you know, he doesn't want to be out you know in the public and and uh, but but one on one, very approachable. Talk it was to anyone. I was you know, uh, um, I was shocked that he stopped and had a conversation yeah, with me. And that's his personality. You know, out of all them suit and tie guys right. around there, when oh, you bet. Yep. Suzanne, when you came down there and y'all were together and I spoke to him and he stopped and had a conversation with me. So You're was lucky like, it wasn't where he isn't still talking to you. I was yeah. going to say, once you I get mean, him started. He'll, he will yeah. go, go, go. Go, go, yeah. go. So yeah. when you say what, what kind of what kind yeah. of guy is he or his personality, I have two quick antidotes in, in terms of this. I do a lot of uh, experiences. We call it immersion experiences. Uh, that's kind of the area that I lead at GKFF. And we had a group of students in town. These are these are college students, right? He comes to the park to talk with them and and really encourage them about Tulsa. And uh, he's parked his car at the lodge. We were at the Vista, and the bus comes around because it starts raining. So we pull the bus closer to the Vista so the students can get on the bus. And he looks at the bus, and I was like, "Hey, you gonna hop on the bus with us?" And he goes, "No, I'm gonna walk back because I don't wanna uh, I don't wanna ruin their experience. I want them to get to where you're going on time." And he literally walks back from the Vista and it's his coat and tie 
and it's raining. He's just walking back to his car yeah. in the rain because he doesn't want to disrupt. disrupt. Their, oh, their Kaiser, Mr. Kaiser. Yeah. yeah. He, well, well, no, he's mm-hmm. just like I want you guys. To, I don't want you guys to have to go out of your way to drop me off. Mm-hmm. I want you to get to your next stop so that they can have a great experience in Tulsa. And the, the other piece that I would add, add, um, you know, we again we had three groups in town. I think one weekend, and he was speaking to all of them. And I made the joke to him like, hey. Hey, George, I'm going to need you to be my uh, Uber driver to make sure we get to all of these and, mm-hmm. you know, the group stay on time. And he said, yeah, just send me the agenda. I'll pick you up. Just like that. Huh? Just yeah. like that. He's yeah. like, yep. What and he, you, would, he would have did it, huh? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Uh-huh. Yeah. He, he really gets excited and geeks out when there's opportunities to get in front of young people, mm-hmm. both both that are two years old and 22 yep. years old. I mean, he, he just he likes young people. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and because he, they're the future. I mean, that's that's what the foundation's about is the future, you know, for Tulsa. So. Any opportunity to influence that in a positive way, he's, he's all about. He's he's always, always, always working. I was with him about, I think it was Valentine's Day. Friday was that a Friday this year? Yeah, yeah it, I was, think it, was. it was. It was. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times he likes to start. You know, mm-hmm. he 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 starts a a meeting that's not you know for his direct business at four o'clock on a Friday. And that's when we kind of will start working on something. And what he wanted to do was make a call on someone in the state government about the earned income tax credit, which used to be refundable and provides um, a tax credit to working families. And he has been tirelessly advocating for this to be restored. It was it was taken away when a whole bunch of tax credits for rich people were left in place when we were really in the hurt in the state budget. And so we went to this meeting at like four o'clock on a Friday afternoon and about 5:30 or so we were about I don't know 20% into the his conversation I think and I started texting my husband I was like I'm not sure we're going to go out on Valentine's Day oh, wow. cuz here he is working on this thing for working families in Oklahoma okay. no benefit to him whatsoever no right. benefit to the foundation but it's good economic policy for the state of Oklahoma and it interrupts the cycle of poverty creates equal opportunity for young children and he's going to hold this guy who hostage basically yeah educating him about it he comes to every meeting like this with a oh yeah a completely a, a written folder. out yep. prepared mm-hmm. your listeners can't see me but you know on a piece of graph paper where he's got his questions the points that he wants to make this is how that's what he's doing when he's working so hard he's sitting around thinking about how can we solve this problem and i really do think it it really truly vexes him when there's something so easy like that and so good policy that is good for all people and easy for the state to do. How can they not do this? Let's go on. Right. And we we have been on a tour this year with legislators and the governor and different officials really trying to convince them about the importance of restoring this earned income tax credit, which is a cash back credit. It's about $150 average to a working family which when you when you're trying to figure out if you're going to you know buy a tire mm-hmm. you may not have Pay your you know utility bills. you may yeah, not have health insurance i mean right. that is a lot of money and mm-hmm. it really matters and it goes right back into the economy turns around gets spent yeah and benefits the economy too so mm-hmm. that's the kind of guy he is you know but he, i mean he was not thinking about valentine's day i can tell you that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. so you had to go to work too huh? <laughs> yeah. we yeah. do and yeah. and it's an honor to serve him mm-hmm. and be with him is, a, is, he, really, is, is he married Children? Yes. Yep. Oh, some Kaiser kids, huh? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Okay. Are they uh, involved in what's going on? 
they are. Mm-hmm. They are. Mm-hmm. They're involved in the foundation. And the foundation. And, and they're all just as grounded and real as yeah. he yeah, is. They're, yeah. yeah they're, you would never know they were a billionaire's kids. If you yeah. Never. No. Never. No. Now, Mr. Kyle, how did he make his money? How did that come about with him? Is it oil or what yeah. was it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, was oil, it oil? And ga- oil, oil and gas. Oil and gas. Early and then and then he, he did it early, huh? Yeah, and then and then in the uh, I guess the eighties is when he bought uh, Bank of Oklahoma, mm-hmm. so, which was Oklahoma Bank, I think, yeah, or I something can't remember along the name, that. But, but yeah, it's something like that. It was a str- kind of a struggling bank, so, and, yeah. mm-hmm. and he, he bought the bank, huh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so now he's the chairman. Chairman, uh, okay. Uh, yeah, he's probably the chairman of a lot of stuff, huh? Well, actually, no. Uh, no? I, mean, it, I mean, his portfolio, uh, and I'm probably going to get this not exactly right, but I mean, basically, obviously, the, the bank is a big, you know, we all know that well, you know, here in Tulsa. Bank of Oklahoma. Be okay, huh? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, you know, he has a lot of, you know, still oil and gas. You know, he has Kaiser Francis Oil Company, which is actually something that his dad started. And so with a with a Mr. Francis, whose name mm-hmm. I'm, I can't remember, but mm-hmm. um and then, and then, so there's that part of it, and then he has a lot of, um, uh, you know, private equity investments that are, I mean, all over the yeah. place. So. so he can go down to concert at the BOK and just walk right on no. in. Like, no, no, he can't and do that. Nor would he ever. I was do just that. gonna yeah. say that he uh, would never do would that. He would just buy. He'll buy a ticket. Uh, he'll buy a ticket. He would and, buy a ticket, and he would be in the top of the nose. Yeah, and let me tell you something. Oh, else. really? You know, not not everyone knows this, but you know, he's a twenty percent owner in the Thunder. Yep. And okay. don't even begin to ask if he asked for special. He doesn't have a box. He doesn't ask for tickets. He doesn't. I mean, it's a I purely. I think he may have only been to a game when they were in Tulsa. Well, no, yep. his his daughter. Oh, yeah. His daughter's yeah. a super his, fan. His daughter yeah. that lives in in, in D.C. actually is a super fan, and so if she if if he's ever gone, it's because his daughter drug him because his, <laughs> his grandsons are big fans. So so, but I wow. mean, he, he doesn't. So he, his personality is more down earth than just regular. Oh, oh. oh totally. And he's a billionaire. Yeah. Casio wow. watch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. And he, don't is don't, he is he, he is he tight. I really, really, really <laughs> tight. Well, let me, have you ever, have you ever read that book, The Millionaire Next Door? You know, no, it's exactly. about those people yeah. that are yeah. thinking uh-huh. about it. Yeah. But he, everything is about what is the return on investment for me. So mm-hmm. he, you know, don't get him started talking oh, to man. you about how he uses frequent flyer miles right. to build a trip. <laughs> right. Yeah. right. Right. To go. He's, I mean, I someone mentioned to him, which I had the experience of being with him with other people that had a lot of money. Yeah when we were going through our gathering place. And mm-hmm. so they would be saying how they had just taken their family all on this big trip or, you know, something like that mm-hmm. and everything. And, and George said, well, now I did that one time and I put together these miles and these miles and these miles, it was 70, $78 a person or something like <laughs> yeah, that, right, you know, yeah. and this person and they probably all took a private plane. Well, they, yeah, their yeah. family went on their plane. And, yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. he, he, I mean, but he's like, his thing would be, that's not a good return on your investment to spend $20,000 on fuel versus what it, you know, cost me for a Southwest ticket. Yeah. Yeah. They're, so they're, Southwest, huh? there's some, there's some, uh, uh, he don't take the private planes and stuff. No, no, no. no. He'll, I he'll mean, borrow, the other thing is he'll go, yeah. um, he'll, he'll go like American just because like, that's a, well, but he'll go and, first and, class, and, right? And, no, no. Are you kidding? That costs too much money. Oh, yeah. He'll go coach. Right. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. here's the thing too, is that if he does, if there is a business trip, especially if it's foundation business, you know, and they they do get the opportunity to, and he'll use someone else's like shared, he <laughs> won't share use, in a plane, share yes. in a plane or something. Someone else's shared time he'll use. He he makes sure that that entire plane is full. So even someone sitting on the jump it, jump seat, you know, that goes mm-hmm. over the. I also, mean, he, he, I've actually sat in the yeah. bathroom. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you have. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah. And if yeah, in in a plane where it's everybody that plane, He's everybody full. is He's full. Gonna You're gonna maximize yeah. and really mm-hmm. make it worth it. Yeah. There's... I don't know if this is a public story, but I'll tell you, Bobby. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you the story. Whenever he had to, whenever he got his his uh, thunder uh, percentage, he had to go up and meet with the NBA oh, yeah. owners. And he, so he flew, like we're talking about commercial, mm-hmm. and they were a little bit late. So they get to the meeting and they get into this meeting. There's other, all these other NBA owners who I guess have to approve you know, his, approve his, his ownership. ownership. Yeah. And they come in and they're like, oh, you know, we're sorry, you know, that we're late and everything. We kind of got hung up in Atlanta on the way here. And everybody in the room's like, what, Atlanta, why'd you go to Atlanta? Why were you stopped or slowed down? Like, well, we were on Southwest, and yeah. all these NBA owners are every single one of them there came on a private plane. They're looking at him like, uh oh, this guy yeah. flies commercial. Does yeah. he really have the wow. money? You know, and but that would never occur to him. Yeah. The, the last funny story that's sort of infamous at the bank actually is that he had a sort of surplus crown Ford Crown Victoria from like 1990 <laughs> that he would drive around. Wow. And so anyway, we, we've probably, you know, worn this out, but you kind of oh, get man. the idea of the kind of guy. I get the, yeah. Yeah. So he's just yeah. a regular guy kind of yeah. down earth with a yeah. lot of money and a big old brain, a big old brain oh, and a big heart. And yeah. he's just, he really is passionate to the point of possessed yeah. by working on the mission of the foundation. And it's just a privilege for all of us and yeah. a real, training to get inspired to, to, to think about his principles of investing in our community and um, trying to share those and figure out how we can grow and be better as a, mm-hmm. uh, as a community. Thanks to him. And he's also one of the things I admire both about him and most about him is he's really a lifelong learner. He's, yeah, yeah. he's not set in his ways. He is constantly thinking about how can we do that better and feedback. It's a big part of, our charge yep, is constant improvement. Are we are we doing that right? How can we change it? And that's really um, something that I think makes him kind of distinguished in, in his generation and his right. age and his class right. is that he's constantly trying to figure out is this the best way to do this? Is you know can we do it better? Hmm, that's great. That's great. Well, hey, I want to thank you guys for taking time out of your busy schedule. The George Kaiser Family Foundation. Thank you, Suzanne, Brandon, Josh. Man, for come, we talked. We covered a lot of stuff. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. This was all awesome. yeah. a lot of fun. A lot of yeah, stuff. A lot of fun. And want to let let our listeners know, and you guys know, the show is recorded. Mm-hmm. So all you got to do is go in uh, Google the Bobby Eaton Show, and boom, you're right there. You know what I mean? So, and I appreciate you guys. Like I said, coming over here to North Tulsa. Yeah. You know, and um, giving this information to our community and to our people. We greatly appreciate the invitation yeah, to come you. out. Yeah. It was truly a, a Very pleasure. Very exciting and fun. All right. We'll get you guys back. Yep. Periodically yeah. come we'll, back and yeah. share. We and we got to send more uh, <laughs> of our fellow colleagues. Colleagues. Yeah. Yeah. We have a lot like of yeah. Yeah. Can yeah. speak. Probably all come of them over. better informed than we are. Uh-huh. More detail. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, all, it's okay. All right. Well, well, <laughs> he said it's better, okay. Better informed than we are. It's okay. He didn't yeah. say, oh, no, I know, you did great. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you did fine. Yeah, you yeah. did fine. Yeah. It's okay. It was, it was, it was okay. a solid yeah, C-plus. It was good. Exactly. It was good. It was yeah. good. It was okay. good. So, oh, hey, man. thank you all, okay? Yeah, thank you. All right. Hey, you're on the Bobby Eaton Show where we tell our stories our way every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. 
And on Saturdays from 12 to 2, we are taking donations over here. We got the big donation bucket, you know, so we need help over here trying to raise money for a van. And uh, if anything you can help us with, we're trying to open up the barbershop museum. And we got a lot of projects going on, you know. They just gave us access to Moton uh, Hospital, the old Moton Hospital, to do like a farmer's market over there and stuff like that. And we're going to be doing that. Uh, we got so much going on over here at Eaton Media Services, located at 1533 North Norfolk, Tulsa, Oklahoma. The phone number is, now listen real good, area code 832 832- Four four three nine four nine nine. Again, that number is eight three two four four three nine four nine nine. All right. Well, until the next time, have a good one. Okay. Mm-hmm.